Welcome to Standard Issue. This is a recording of an in-conversation event we held at the Glasgow Comedy Festival. Women and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Sarah Millican. Joe Caulfield. Susan Kalman. Standard Issue Editor Mickey Noonan. Hi. 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 Hello. Hi. This is fun. It was drafty there. It was. That's why I've got my fleece on. (laughs) I'm not an idiot. I brought a fleece. It's Glasgow. Are you going to keep that on all night? Probably. It's still a bit chilly. Uh, No. I'll take it off. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you were all expecting, right? We're just going to take it. Sexy. Uh, Quite the blouse, then. Well, look. I'm having problems. Um, Sorry. Um, I've got builders in. And that's not like like having the painters in. It's different. And they took apart. They've taken apart the flat, and this is the only. These are the only clothes I could find. Not, and I wanted to make more of an effort for you all, but literally, this is all I fucking had. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, this is. Uh, it's ironed, I think. John no, Lewis. I like it. It's John Lewis. I it was more floral than I was used to. You well, I, I found on John Lewis a company that I like, and I just buy. Everything online, so I need to go into a shop. So, yeah, and you know what size you want? It's lovely, that yeah. isn't it? Where you yeah. don't have to do all the fanny and on. Yeah, my shirt's not ironed, and I said to Sarah, Oh, shall I iron my shirt? <laughs> Feminism. Oh. <laughs> I never iron, and I consider it a luxury of being a feminist that I don't have to iron ever. And even like when I when I do a show, I hang two dresses up because uh, I worry about spillage because I eat a lot. and and I'm quite messy. And then the, whichever is the least creased is the one I put on. And they provide an iron and an ironing board at all of the venues. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that's for. I don't even know where, I don't know where my iron and ironing board are in the house. I never iron. The last thing I ironed, I was actually wearing. I was like, God, this at is At the too- time? Yeah. I was like, got my skirt. And- one of my, my old school friends, her mum once ironed her tights. Yeah. Well, how did they not just... Yeah. Just disappear into a tiny ball? I don't know. It's very I have nev- I've never looked at women and gone, your tights are crinkly. <laughs> That means they're too big. That's what it that does means. if they hang out. You've got wrinkly knees. Yeah. yeah, you've yeah. got a low gusset. I feel quite bad about this feminism, though, because can I admit something? Because this is what we're talking about. So every God, the judgment on your faces already. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, then. Milliken's face just going. Mm-hmm, Calman. <laughs> every this might make me a bad feminist. Here's a question. I'm not a bad feminist. I'm a good feminist, but uh, I've got a wife, so I win the feminism thing. By the way. So. <laughs> Being a lesbian, I I own a woman, so okay. I bought one, and every Sunday night I stand and I do all of our shirts for the week. Oh, because I don't want to leave the house in a a, a rumpled shirt. A lovely Mrs. She is lovely though. She is, but that is now making me feel bad that. She sits on the sofa while I do her shirts. I feel this is the right forum for you to admit this and that you're, you're in an abusive relationship, aren't you? Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. That started quickly, didn't it? Um, I wonder if we should... Uh, give should us a cheer. Yeah, yeah, should I? Yeah. Oh, let's do that. Uh, give us a cheer if you read Standard Issue magazine. Yay! Yay. Okay, let's convert the rest of you fuckers. Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, should we talk a little bit about what that is before we get started? 
Sarah, what is Standard Issue magazine? <laughs> wow, question one. Um, so, uh, Mickey is the editor of Standard Issue magazine, and she's awesome. Um, Standard Issue magazine is an online uh, women's magazine uh, that I uh, had an idea about and then pressured Mickey into making into an actuality. Uh, which, because I generally I don't really uh, read women's magazines. I don't find anything that's kind of suitable for me because I'm not really interested in kind of fashion and beauty and things. And I thought, well, there seems to be a gap for something that is. Uh, more inclusive and has all sorts of things that women are interested in, such as everything, for example. Because uh, <laughs> I believe we are allowed to think about all sorts of things with our lovely little brains. Uh, so I... No. I fundamentally no. disagree with the premise. <laughs> so I decided to set that up because I don't believe in just moaning about something. I think, well, let's be proactive and do something instead. Uh, and that is uh, now existing and it is sandishumagazine.com if you fancy having a look. Uh, not now, rude. Uh, <laughs> later on uh, and uh, Mickey's the editor and we decided to put some events on mostly so we can just chat with awesome women uh, but also to kind of spread the word about what Standard Issue is uh, is that alright? That was brilliant thank Thanks. you very much it is everything because that is always the thing with women's magazines now, I only read them I do read them if I go to the hairdressers because I like to well I'll read ones that are like things like closer things like that I like yeah. to see what who celebrities are because I don't know who they are now. I'm so out of touch. <laughs> I just look at these people and go, who the fuck wants to read about these people? Because they look exactly the same as the people I was reading about ten years ago, but they're different people. They have different yeah. names. But also, the oh, women's magazines, you just go, really, you just need to have made one? Because they are always the same. They're That's always true. the same kind of article, aren't they, about having it all, but having it all while looking really nice. And here's how you can have it all and look really nice. And that's all it is, over and over again, isn't it? Jo, do you think you can have it all and look really nice? Well, I don't want to brag. (laughs) (laughs) And have time to fucking iron. (laughs) Get Calvin to do it. I know. He loves it. Do you take ironing in? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I would happily post it up to Glasgow. When I was growing up, uh, my mum used to do the ironing on a Sunday night in front of Inspector Morse or something. The man or the show? The show. Yeah. <laughs> and she, was, <laughs> she would always... Now I know what she was doing, which was she would take a seat in an armchair to iron and get us to bring her gin and tonic. Mm. <laughs> so actually, mum spent Sunday nights drinking whilst going, I'm doing the ironing! <laughs> And then we would find black bags full of the ironing behind the, the chair. And she would only ever do, like, enough shirts for the week or whatever. So I see it as quite a... a rela- I just... I've, I'm just someone who... I don't, want my, I don't want my wife going to court looking, you know, like no one cares about her. You know? And, oh, and she like is a, a little orphan Yeah, lawyer. I don't want people oh. going, oh, she, she's when married. You say, when you say court, you, she is a, a lawyer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, she's a lawyer. It's yeah, not, it's not that she's... Yeah, so she looks presentable in front of the judge. Yes, so she rather than as the accused. put down, yeah. <laughs> attempting to get off a charge. Yeah. So. so do you get pissed when you iron then? Like no, I take it very seriously. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. No, I do, I take it very, very seriously. And uh, I'm, I'm quite good at it. Do you do collars and cuffs, then sleeves first? Uh, <laughs> collars this is and not cu- what yeah. I thought tonight collars, was going to be. Collars, <laughs> just going to say Collars, that. cuffs, body, sleeves, hang it up, top button. Excellent. You know what I do? What I a great do. feminist discussion. <laughs> 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 I 
But that's, that's sh- the point. The point of feminism is we don't all need to look like that. Yeah. We can take care of ourselves occasionally. No. Uh, so, <laughs> no, feminism, feminism my, means we can iron, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. My ironing is You're I put this it. shower on and then hang Steam it in the room. Yeah. And then just ten minutes later, come back and it's done. But is it not always damp? I tried that once and I don't just mind had a damp, damp shirt. <laughs> I don't like going out with a damp shirt on. I don't mind it. Okay. I'm quite pro-damp, Sorry, generally. did you have some serious questions? Mm. Some serious okay. questions. <laughs> okay, so you're all stand-up comedians. Yes. What yes. is the best thing about your working life? Huh. Mm. Mm. Oh, hello. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, do you want to kick us off? Oh, now, now I feel I've been put under spot. Like, what is, what is good in my life? Oh, God. <laughs> is it, oh, is God. it that you've got it all and you look lovely? Why does no one ask me why I still look lovely when I have it all? Why is it Joe Caulfield? <laughs> I think, best thing, well, I, I do, uh, I love doing stand-up. I think there's always something wrong with people who want to do it. Um, you know, why would you want to get up in front of strangers and go, oh, do you love me a little bit? Um, so I just, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it sometimes when I can look at people and I think they think they're not going to like me. I love that because I can see them going, and then, uh, you turn around and you change their minds and then that's very, very satisfying. But it's just very satisfying to, uh, to make people laugh and, and be in control. And it's the only place where it's acceptable for you to do all the talking. Like, if I could go out with my friends and they would just shut the fuck up and let me do it all. But apparently that's not socially acceptable. So, uh, but if I go on stage, it's just me, 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 more about me. You know, occasionally, just because it's polite, I'll go, oh, and, well, oh, never mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Bit of banter, that's enough from you. Yeah. But I, I, I can never go... There's a simplicity of it as well. They just get in my little car, drive somewhere, and there I am. That's it. I don't have to bring any, even any things that you forgot to bring. See? Yeah. It's going to be a long night for me. <laughs> Susan? Yes. By the way, you look lovely, and you have it all. Thank you very much. <laughs> Stop flirting. So... Uh, I think I kind of agree with uh, Joe, actually, that uh, when you do uh, stand-up specifically, when you do other types of comedy, so if you do a news quiz, they edit it down from an hour and a half to 26 minutes. If you do a television show, they'll let you say things or not. They'll put out what they want. And stand-up is the one time when no one can tell you what to do. So the reason I like doing The Fringe is it's 55 minutes of whatever I want to say. Uh, whether or not people like it or not, it's a different matter. But it's the one time you can say, this is what I want to say for 55 minutes. It's, to me, absolutely, as Joe was saying, like the purest form of self-expression. Because even when you write stuff down, people can get the wrong end of the stick mm-hmm. because, you know, sarcasm doesn't come across properly. Or So I like 55 minutes at the fringe of this is what I want to say and, uh, you know, no one can tell me that I can't see it. Mm. And I think that's why stand-ups are a great thing. Obviously, you can tell whether the audience is enjoying it or not, but whether or not you want them to enjoy it's a different matter. <laughs> Sometimes you say things because you don't want the audience to enjoy it. No, deliberately, because if, you, if you're wanting to provoke a reaction, that's the other thing about stand-up. Language is so interesting in that you can provoke a reaction from people and then undercut it if you want to. So uh, I think it's that. It's... It's that if you work for the BBC or, or other broadcasters, 
they get nervous about certain things, mm-hmm. like women talking. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Especially this amount of women. Ooh. This <gasps> would scare the living shit out of them. Yeah. Three women uh, on the one stage would be horrific for them. This is, Just, by the who's, way... Who's not the woman? <laughs> There's four of us. Four. I meant three stand-ups. Sarah, so she always harsh. bullies me when we do these things, by the way. It's only going to get worse. Um, what they would do if it was television, they would have us here, but then kind of uh, loose women style, a young man would have to yes. come on as a guest, and yes. then we would all go, oh, Ooh, young man! Oh, a man! Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been one of those women, by the way. <laughs> yeah. um, I got kissed on my neck by Usher. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> And somebody like it was on actually, the neck. Yeah, well, you went. Well, where my... was he going? With? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tit. No. Uh, <laughs> that's where they are sometimes when I've got my bra on. I feel the neck. Uh, he went for my cheek, and I just thought we were doing like a moi rather than a proper. And I moved, and he kissed my neck. And somebody oh, sent. Oh, that's quite intimate. Somebody was watching it and sent my husband a message saying that like like I was cheating him on live <laughs> telly. <laughs> Yeah. It's the best way to do it, though, because then you just go, oh, we weren't really fucking, it was television. <laughs> yeah, it was work. Yeah. I was working. Yeah. Oh, mm. I had got a, paid for that. Oh, no. I was going to tell you the best almost cheating on my wife story, excusing, excusable. Okay, this is quite funny. Don't let this leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> my agent phoned me and said, a casting agent's really interested in you for a role, and I was like, oh, great, no problem. She went, it's for a Hollywood film, and I went, fuck, yeah, this is fine. I'll leave this shit behind. I'll see you later. <laughs> And uh, she said, uh, it's with Kira Knightley to play... Now, I shit you not. Twins? To play <laughs> Kira Knightley's... <laughs> no, it's best that to play Kira Knightley's girlfriend. Oh! So, so I, sh- like, I just stand and ironing for her. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, that's amazing. They said, oh, no, they're really interested in you, Susan. They really want you. But then they found out how tall you were. And you're too short for Kira Knightley. Oh. Well, the right height for Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. So I said to the wife, oh, I was almost uh, Keir Knightley's girlfriend. She went, oh, I feel a bit funny about you, you know, having, having sex with another woman on screen. And I went, you know, it's, it's okay because I'm, you know, I'm not uh, tall enough. I said, well, I mean, it wouldn't matter because we'd be lying down all the time anyway. Yeah. And she left the room. <laughs> and then started, every time she comes on telly now, she said, that's your girlfriend! <laughs> And then she started texting me during the day, what's your Chanel advert going to be like? (laughs) Me chasing pigeons for chips. (laughs) I I almost got... Because then it's excusable if it's in a... What I'm saying is if it was in a film and I had to winch Keita Knightley. Dudley Moore, he was always with huge, tall ladies. I know. I would look hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was meant to look hilarious. It was meant to look... It was like a passionate No, it would have looked romantic. Sorry, I meant romantic. You know. And then I worried, because I've only ever... I've kissed the same woman for 14 years and knew that way you get used to kissing someone. Like, I can't breathe out my left nostril, so we always have to kiss that way, otherwise I suffocate. (laughs) Because I can't breathe out one of my nostrils. <laughs> so if she was trying... You know, sometimes when you passionately kiss, you do the... I'd have to go, Kira, just the one side. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> but you seem to have thought a lot about the yeah. kissing. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. briefly, George. If I briefly. was Lee, I'd be a little annoyed about that. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> 
kind of forgotten the question. I, only, I was just going to say, now this is, this is so not the Kira Knightley story. The only time where I went for an audition and they said, oh, we think they're going to be keen on you. And uh, we had the same agent. And she laughed when she said what it was for. Uh, and it was to play... Now, it was a, 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 a what they call... It's not reenactment anyway. Some real drama, docudrama thing. <laughs> and it was to play uh, Camilla Parker Bowles. <laughs> <laughs> no, honest to God. I do stress... And this is what my agent said. It is the younger okay. Camilla Parker Bowles. And I, I didn't actually go in for it because I thought I couldn't live with myself. Also, I couldn't live with that walking into the room and just seeing a load of women look like me all sitting there going, oh, please don't let me get this part. <laughs> Someone put on Twitter, and I think this is right, because people you often find out when friends have gone for castings for various things, and someone put, I can't remember what it was, said, the most humiliating casting anyone must ever have done was for, you know that advert for um, uh, Chicken Madras? I see oh, yeah. you, baby. Chicken madras. Imagine standing in a room in front of, like, 20 advertising execs going, I see you, baby. <laughs> Chicken madras. I, pick, I think they picked the right woman, though. Oh, she's she, really good. She bloody loves she, chicken madras. <laughs> she really does. She, I mean, she clearly enjoys it. She's good at it, she, isn't she? She loves it. But I still think that would have been quite a difficult thing to have... Ooh. This is, I think, maybe, I don't know if other people would have thought about it the way I did, and maybe this is a feministy thing, right? Oh, right. right. Just right. Get, okay, let's right. get into our, our feminist positions. Which <laughs> um, is this, obviously. Um, I, they're talking about casting, and I, um, it was, uh, it was a, a show on. It's a nice actor. Used to, I can't remember his name. Uh, is it called George Gently? He's a yeah, it's lawyer. George Gently. Policeman. Is Martin he a policeman? Shaw. He's a policeman. Martin Shaw. Oh, I thought he was a judge. Judge John Dee, do you think? John, Judge John Dee. <laughs> judge John, thank Slipping God you're here. here. My nan. Judge John Dee. <laughs> I'd like you now that I went, I remember him from the professionals. Um, young people, no idea. Yeah. So it was the same man, wasn't yes, it? it was the same it's man. It's the same man. And I've always quite liked him as an actor. <laughs> So, it was him when he's judged John Deed. Yes. But was it that one? Because <laughs> it was definitely him, Martin Shaw, but they do real cases. They were doing real cases, and the case they were doing was when the actress, Gillian <coughs> uh, Tailforth... That's right. ..had been uh, pulled over by the oh. police. <laughs> now, she was in EastEnders. I think she's in it again now, yes, or she possibly is. she's in another soap, and you're not meant to think that's weird. Right. <laughs> But, so, she was pulled... This was a real thing that happened. She was pulled over by the police, apparently, and she was giving her husband... Uh, her husband a blowjob on the <coughs> sidings of the motorway. And you're not allowed to stop on the motorway. But you're also... <laughs> you're not. It's very dangerous. Like, an emergency vehicle could have come along and then she would have choked. Right? <laughs> or chomped. So, <laughs> she did... She was taken to court in a rather unpleasant way, I think. And in yeah. the court case, which I thought was one of those things where you go, oh, this is people, really, men on a weird, kinky power trip. People describe things that she did at parties, how one of her party tricks was pretend to give a blowjob to a bottle when she's drunk, just as a laugh kind of a thing. And they did that in court, which I thought was really unpleasant. That was a bit like, you know, if you're a rape victim, they're going, oh, well, we've seen you walking around in a short skirt. It was that kind of like trying to defame her character... Uh, even though it is dangerous to stop on the motorway side. But 
And then, so it was to play her in the court case, and they sent the script, and it was so unpleasant, even in the script, because him, Martin Sean, you know I like him, uh, he was, uh, there, uh, there would be a pr- prosecutor saying to me, playing her, um, let's, w- here's a bottle, show what you did at the party doing a blowjob, and all this kind of thing. And I just thought the whole script was so unpleasant to women, and I just thought, I don't want to be in part of something that puts that out there, in the world, mm. here's mm-hmm. another thing where we're just stamping on women. So I didn't even... I just said I, I couldn't even think about it because I find it just really unpleasant and degrading for her and me. Would you have done the young Camilla? <laughs> I don't know how many blowjobs were involved. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a really that fascinating uh, uh, website. I think it's called The Casting Call. Have you seen it? You must have seen it. Uh, where yeah. it's in a New York project where they get uh, female actresses to read out the casting descriptions for films. There's also a Twitter account. There's a Twitter account, and, and it, is, it is the most extraordinary thing because it's usually male actor, uh, 30 to 60, female actor, <laughs> female actor, 18, size 2. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's quite a remarkable uh, Must be thing. prepared to wrestle in jelly. Yes. Mm. Slight nipple shot required. Those kind of things. So, yeah. I'll do partial nudity. I do, like, just like legs. That's even if te- you don't want me to. Sort of well. Legs and arms is partial nudity, isn't it? Uh, yes. yes. It's, I have a very shapely calf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very rarely positive about In myself, but I have really nice <laughs> calves. <laughs> I really do have very nice calves. I don't doubt it for a second. Yeah. Them. What is the difference between... Go on, then. Oh, that's nice. Oh, and you That's a good yeah. What is the difference between... I know partial, nu- full nudity is full. What yeah. is... Is there a, 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 I think it's no fanny, Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, partial is no tits minge. only. Yeah, I think tits only. No or side tit. Oh. Yeah, they do side some of that tit. sometimes, don't they? Side tit, where if it's not the nipple, yeah. then it's a different... If, I think if I lie on my back, it's all side yeah. tit, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Although I watched... I watched <coughs> The Night Manager the other day, which I quite enjoy as a drama... <laughs> And there was quite an explicit sex scene that I was not expecting. I watched that, which I've never watched it, the other night with the sound down and I was doing something else. And they went, I was suddenly thinking, because I do like to whine in front of the telly, because yeah. that whole thing, I was going, yes, she was so right, your mother. And I saw, and I, what, 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 so I don't know the story at all, but I know he's in it, Hugh Laurie, yes. and a very beautiful, very thin woman who ha- yes. was showing quite a lot of side tit. A lot of side tit. Yes, in a very, a negligee side tit. But I was, because I didn't know the story, he went up and kissed her, and I went, oh, because it was old tortoise, very young, lovely thing. So, and it was just like where you go, oh, that's so wrong. I don't, are they together in it? Yes, it, I think the explanation so is, though, that he wrong. has bought her. Uh, so, yes, I think, spoiler alert, he has bought her to a certain extent. So she's oh. kind of a high-class call-girl-type call situation. Oh, so it's not meant to be romantic love. No, it's love. not like she's actually fallen, although he is a billionaire and it is tempting. I think it would be tempting. Yeah. I'm not... Look, look I'm still a feminist, but, you know, if... if Are you if, still a lesbian? I am still a lesbian. <laughs> For the right amount clearly of money, not, though. The, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, if the money's right, clearly not. Oh. I think it's important as a feminist to be open to all options. <laughs> And if a man had a lot of money... Well, and Hugh Laurie's funny. Is he funny Trump. in it? Is he funny in it? Sorry? Is he funny in it? Who? 
Hugh Laurie. Fully in it. Funny. Funny. Oh, funny. She's, got, like, uh, she's got a weird accent. No, he's, she's not, he's, <laughs> not, he's, not, he's not funny. He's quite threatening-y kind of. Oh, kind of. No. oh that's all right. Because I wasn't following the story, I thought, oh, if he's, am I meant to be sympathetic? No, it no, it's very not a comedy. It's not a comedy. Man, it's a John Le Carre. Oh, as, we, as we say up here, it's a John Lacari production. Lacar, uh, John Lacari. <laughs> I found out tonight on the train over because I do live in the land of Scotland, but I live in Edinburgh. Boo, if you like, <laughs> right? <laughs> a place I'd never heard. It was a different train oh, journey. Yes, the, the Queen Street Tunnel shut everyone for four months. Yeah, if you're on Twitter, all you've had is Scotrail telling you the fucking tunnel shut. We know the fucking yeah. tunnel shut. It's shut for four months, okay? You wouldn't know how it's really good. They built a canopy and everything in George Square. A bloody canopy. <laughs> Everyone queue under the canopy quickly. There's no trains. <laughs> and everyone's like, we don't want to fucking go to Edinburgh anyway. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, sorry, darling. That's why the streets have been more pleasant in Edinburgh. <laughs> I was only going to say, you learn something every day. Uh, uh, Unless the woman on the announcer is wrong, uh, Milne Gavi is actually (laughs) Mingai. Milgai. 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 Because I did think I was on the wrong train because it clearly says Milne Gavi. Uh, (laughs) Where are you from? I'm from Beersden or Mingai. That's where I'm from. I've got a nice place in Milgai. Milgai. Good horse. Oh, is it posh Milgai? Oh, shit. Oh, it doesn't sound it. (laughs) Is it? Mulgai, Bruce and Mulgai are very posh. Are they? Yeah. Is she shitting me, though? No. Oh. <laughs> are you saying, when you, is it, are you saying Bear's End? Bear's, Bear's End. Sorry. Bear's End. Doesn't sound oh, Bear's posh, Bear's End. rough now, I know. No, Bear's, Bear's Den's very Den. nice. You've got Kirk and Tillich. Yeah. Lindsay, quite posh, mm. maybe. Uh, Croy. And, uh, no, Bear's Den and Mulgai, very, very posh. Very, very posh. Like, like I couldn't, I wouldn't want to live there. But I couldn't live there because I don't have any money. No. I went but to if sco- you I went were with to, Hugh I went Laurie. I went to school in Bear's Den. I went to school in Bear's Den. Oh. Yeah, we were well, busting. Now we know. <laughs> <laughs> we were busting to provide the, because I grew up in Annie's Land, which is not like Bear's Den and Mulgai. Any, any other local questions you've got? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Or, or island questions. Sorry. <laughs> Annie's Land, I always think, and I've never been, I always think it sounds the most lovely place because it makes me think. <laughs> Do you know what I think of? When I think of Annie's Land, I think of <coughs> lots of ladies, I was going to say middle-aged, probably my age, just having a drink and enjoying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's Annie's Land. Do what the fuck you like. Yeah. So there's one Happy bar. Ladies. There's one bar in Annie's Land called BG. So that should tell you <laughs> what Annie's Land is like. Yeah, you could go to BG's or the Morrison's. You can do what you like. Yeah, <laughs> lots of ladies having a lovely time. Yes. So, do you have any questions time. on feminism? I apologise. Sorry. <laughs> we're just we're just bonding with the audience over. What what's this canopy like? No. Um, it's, they've got a queuing system, Michaela. They've got a oh. fucking queuing system. Oh, so if anyone doesn't know that there's no t- there's no trains. <laughs> yes, McGinnonen. What's your question? What's um, your question? When did you know you were a feminist, and how did it kind of manifest itself? Did you have a light bulb um, moment? Wow. I think we're sort of recently it properly kicked in, like really fucking properly kicked in. But I think it kicked in a little bit when I was about 18. 
I, I saw Thelma Louise. I was, I've always been an avid film fan, seeing films uh, weekly, sometimes two or three if I could, and uh, started writing a film review column when I was, like, 21, so it only because I really wanted to be doing it anyway. So uh, when I was 18, I saw Thelma Louise, and it just I'd never seen a film... I don't think I'd ever seen a film where uh, <coughs> the men were kind of relatively inconsequential, like, very secondary. And I absolutely loved it, and I loved... Uh, the kind of sort of, I love that it was. Uh, I read the script and I it just, I loved everything about it. I absolutely loved it. And then I had an argument with a lecturer. Uh, I had a male lecturer who I was doing A level uh, maths, pure and stats, and I only did it for eight months because it was really fucking hard. <laughs> and then I left. Uh, but at one point he was really argumentative to me, and I was arguing back, and he kind of shut me up in a sort of really patronising kind of trying to quieten me down sort of way that I'd not really seen him do with the boys in the class. He let them sort of argue their side. And I was really annoyed, and <laughs> I didn't really know how to uh, word what I wanted to say, so I just asked him if he'd seen Thelma Louise. <laughs> and he went, no, and I said, I think you should! That was it. <laughs> and that was when I thought, oh, maybe, okay, maybe that's what that is, I guess. And then latterly, probably... Uh, when I started doing stand-up, I think uh, it certainly kicked in because uh, I'd worked in offices and worked in civil service and shops and things where I was surrounded by women. And then I went into an industry where I just saw the odd woman every now and again. Mm -hmm. And I think that was when I really sort of realised that the jobs that I'd been in were quite fair and I didn't really think that the job that I'd gone into was it seemed <coughs> particularly fair at that stage anyway. So I think it certainly kicked in then, but... Um, yeah, but that, that lecturer had no idea what I was talking about, but I felt much better after I gave him a <laughs> film recommendation. <laughs> jo? Um, well, Thelma and Louise, oh, loved it. I do remember it coming out, and uh, just uh, everybody loved it, and there's a brilliant scene because, and this was why it was such a female film and a straight female film, because of the shot, because uh, they didn't do shots like this. The shot where they're sitting in the car and Brad Pitt and they look at him in the wing mirror and you see his arse and the camera goes down. He's got the most fantastic arse in these Levi jeans and it goes down like that. And that was how they film women, but they filmed him <coughs> like that. And he was mm. just the sex object and it was gorgeous and she had a lovely time with him and then that was it. She was finished with him. You know. um, did he steal her money? Mm. God, oh, God, you would remember that, didn't you? See? <laughs> I just remembered shit. the good time. Yeah. <laughs> the good time I had with Brad, but I didn't remember that he stole my money. I think they didn't care, though. I think they went, oh, fuck it. We, you know, she that's, when, that's what led yeah. him to go and uh, um, rob To start the, the crime. Yeah, 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 exactly. The Spoilers. Film Spoiler that's 20 alert. years old. Sorry. Did you watch past the bit with well, the I, it, seems like, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like I just got stuck there, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, but I, uh, I, I don't know if I had a... I, it's weird to think of because I think there's moments um, where I do remember, I remember, right, not, I don't remember anything where I thought I couldn't do something because I was female. I thought I couldn't do something because I'm not trained or qualified to do anything at all, right? And I had a series of, you know, sort of shitty jobs that I quite enjoyed. Um, so I think I didn't really think about, and also um, because I'm older than you, so when I was young, there was there was very positive women around uh, in terms of music. There was all very cool people. There was like there was Joan Jett. There was there was Blondie. It had been Patti Smith. 
uh, there was the slits. There was all sorts of women. Uh, um, Polly Styrene, I used to love because she just it was mental. It was brilliant. Uh, so I didn't think of like, oh, I've got to be a certain way. And I was never very into dressing in a fashionable, like, ladies' way. Um, and I think it's quite odd that everyone dresses like a lady now. Um, like, you know, in uh, The Apprentice, when The Apprentice started, the women looked like they were going to go for, a, like, a job. They were dressing like business stuff. Now mm. I think they look fucking ridiculous. Mm. It's like, what the fuck happened? They, they're meant to be going to work. But they're all done and heels, and I think they look ludicrous. Um, but I do remember in the 90s, uh, me, and I was doing a radio show, me and Laura Shaven, who you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and we were talking about this because it seemed like, because there was women on telly, we were like, oh, push-up bras and we can all drink pints, that people thought feminine was, feminism was over. And I remember having a conversation with several women then of like, but no, it isn't. We mustn't think that the fight is over. And then I think I sort of forgot about it for ages. And uh, as happens with feminism, and now it seems to have come up again in that it's quite popular, which I think is a worry sometimes because feminism can have a boom and bust. I think if you overplay it, people go, oh, fucking women going on, and then people get fed up, and then feminism dies again. I think it's just got to be constantly in you that uh, knowing that, you know, nothing should be because of your sex. Nothing should be that you can't do something because of your sex. But I think we mustn't look to be offended. Mm. I think you shouldn't use it cheaply. Yeah, 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 agreed. Oh, I've (coughs) ruined it now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to be serious as well. Good. So I think I've got a slightly different uh, experience of feminism, perhaps from the ladies here and perhaps from yourself, in that I am a lesbian. Now... (laughs) Not a very good one. Not a very good one. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Please. How much money for here, Larry? (laughs) Please don't report me to Claire Balding. (laughs) (laughs) Is she the head? Is she the head? Claire Balding is our queen. (laughs) She is our queen. And I accept her reign. (laughs) So. Uh, Rona Cameron said and it was very interesting they did a documentary on what it was like growing up uh, as a gay in Scotland and Rona Cameron said a very interesting thing in it which was basically when you were at university at a certain time in Scotland you had to join a society to get sex so you had to pretend to be interested in political things in order to meet anyone because there weren't really gay bars so all the lasers were part of the political movement so from a very early age I was a feminist because I wanted sex because in order to meet other women, you had to go along to women's magazines meetings and, uh, you know, banning bombs and stuff like that because you wanted to meet people. So I've been, a fe- I've been a feminist since I probably started going out in the scene, which is 14. To be honest, though, it really wasn't something that, that made any sense to me. It really was... I was told what feminism meant to those people. Mm-hmm. And... I disagreed with a lot of it because a lot of the kind of queer politics at the time was quite uh, separatist in terms of women and men and and the patriarchy and how everyone felt. And I'm very much an inclusive person um, uh, in terms of my my queer politics. And uh, I think it was a difficult time post-70s feminism and all that kind of stuff. People were very angry about a lot of things. I really only truly understood what it was to be a feminist when I was a lawyer... And the incident is very clear in my brain. Uh, I was training to be a lawyer, and I was forced to go from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Uh, Forced. There were trains then. (laughs) (laughs) I was forced to go from Glasgow to Edinburgh every day to train. 
I had to go on an early train because I had to go and get cherry scones for the partners. So I had to leave the house at something like half five every morning to get on the train to go and get the cherry scones for the fucking partners and make their coffee and all that shit, which I had to do because I was the woman. And I had a nice suit. My mum bought it for me. It was a trouser suit, but it was a nice suit. And I used to wear a pair of tank girl boots because I was walking for miles to get cherry scones for these arseholes. (laughs) And the partner called me into the office one day and said, Susan, we think you would do much better at the firm if you just made a bit more of an effort. Maybe put on a bit of lipstick, (gasps) wore some heels, you know, made a bit of an effort. Does that make your law better? Uh, It does to some people. And I remember thinking at the time, and I said to him at the time, I was so angry, and I wasn't very confident at that age. I'm much more confident now. I said, why don't you tell Brian to cut his hair? (laughs) Brian's got a fucking stupid Oasis haircut that's (laughs) out of date. (laughs) Why don't you tell Brian to cut his hair? And he went, no, it's because, Susan, you know, we feel... We feel. And I was at another firm where they had a meeting because they had a big fireworks display. It was a law firm again at the end of the fringe. And they had a meeting to discuss what they would do if I brought a woman to it. Um, Now, in hindsight, I wish I'd hired a hooker. Yeah. (laughs) I really wish I'd hired, like, the biggest titted blonde woman I could find and turned up at that thing. But I was so embarrassed. Now, it's actually my legal career made me a feminist because, and I'm sure it's all fine now, but certainly, no, I know it's not. <laughs> uh, at that time, women still, despite being over 50% of the graduates in law, were not getting to the position, partly because arseholes thought they could tell me how I should dress. It, and not just how I should dress, but I should dress more like a woman. And that incident is so firmly imprinted in my brain as to how outrageous it is that a, an old man... Mm. An old fucking man can tell me how... So now I'm like, you lot can't tell me how the hell I do anything. And so it's that one moment in my life where I actually thought, I know what feminism is. Feminism is being patronised and being told I'm not enough of a woman, despite being intelligent, despite being good at my job, despite getting your motherfucking cherry scones. Mm. Because I don't look attractive, you will never respect me. And they never would respect me because I didn't look you the don't, way they you wanted me to. You didn't look the height, the, the way they want women they, to look. They, yeah. I, it's I, not about yeah. you being not attractive. It's about that, that, that we want women to look yes. like this. Yes. And that is acceptable to yes. us and our type of And people. so I think yeah. for someone who doesn't look like people might want women to look, I want to fight even harder to show that I am what women look like. Yeah. This is the thing. I am what women look like. Yeah. I'm just not the women they put on television. Because they think people don't want to see what women look like. Well, that's why they've dressed them all up in The Fucking Apprentice. Yeah. You put women on television and go, oh, but we must give them the women on television look. Yeah. So that's when I became a feminist. That's a really good fucking good, good answer. Good for you. Good story. <laughs> we have to have... Yeah. Oh, oh that's so... I'm, oh, I'm sure it is going on still, that sort of thing. I couldn't Awful. possibly comment. <laughs> <laughs> This show's being recorded. Everything's fine in the Scottish legal profession. And there is... <laughs> ah. There is also... Uh, and you will have noticed, anyone who's in the media, if you've been in a production office, there is still, I feel, like, if it was outside of television, 
I don't think it would be allowed to go on in the company because there are laws against it. Mm-hmm. But there is still an awful lot of men abusing their power with young women in the workplace that I've seen where I go, oh, my God. You know, touching, flirtiness. They don't have really the ability to say no because they want to have a job in television. Mm-hmm. And it really it goes on, and nobody would say anything about it because then it's still that thing. Well, then you're trouble, you know. I still think women are very much raised to be people pleasers. We're expected to to say yes. Um, Sarah's wearing a very interesting necklace. Oh, um, my necklace is um, is you, it's a, a company online that you can just pick any word you like, and I've got like a feminist one and other things, and I've just got the word no because <laughs> it's my favourite fucking word. <laughs> I just, I love the word no. I, I only recently discovered it, I think. I think I said yes a lot, and I, I used to try and uh, say yes to things I really wanted to do, and then, but ultimately I ended up saying yes to things that I thought I should do, and then only recently I discovered the no word, and now I think my agent's slightly worried that I might never say yes ever again. <laughs> so I say no a fucking lot. I like it. It's a good signal, though, isn't it? To people coming up and going, oh. Well, yeah, <laughs> because it's, it's red and white spotty. I think it's not harsh. It's not saying no. It's saying no. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is you're about to ask for, no. It's gentle, but still, wow. fuck off. <laughs> We're going to take a little interval, but just before yes. we do, yes. um, I think Sarah had a little story about the last time she was in this particular venue. Oh, <laughs> Okay, th- I think it was either the last time or the last time but one. Ah, I came- ha, ha, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I came to see a play in a pie in a pint. Has anybody seen that before? Yeah, okay. If you haven't, it's exactly as it sounds. It's very <laughs> self-explanatory. Uh, so you come in and there's a play happening beforehand. You get your pint and uh, like of, of juice or of uh, actual alcohol if you want. Uh, and you get a, a pie. And I came with Miss Susan Kalman. Uh, and we came to see a play. I can't remember when it was years ago. Like, like a a long it was, time ago. It was certainly a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we got our pints and we got our pies and Susan poured, she was a bit too excitable with the gravy. And it was she... all you can eat gravy. <laughs> <laughs> so she poured a bit too much gravy on, and then as we sat in our seat, she realized it was quite sort of precarious, so she sort of <laughs> sucked some <laughs> some of the gravy off the side. So the, the, by now the lights are down. We watch the play, we have a lovely time, we leave the building, and as we're walking out, uh, Susan spots some quite impressive sort of industry people that she wants to sort of schmooze with. (laughs) And because it was quite early in your career as well, you were getting that, like, oh, I'll go and chat with them. Still cared. Yeah. Um, And she chatted to them, and this is how good a friend I am, she chatted to them for a full five minutes, and then we walked away, and then I told her that she had gravy on her nose. (laughs) Like a dob of shit, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Susan literally brown nosed. <laughs> I would say that I'm sorry, but I'm really not. It was piss funny. Women and gentlemen, please welcome us back for the second half of the show. Start clapping. (laughs) Oh, hi. Did you you have a nice break? 
good, good, oh. good. Um, I'm a bit giddy. Are you a bit giddy? Is everyone can, can, back? We've got... I can see a seat there. She didn't come back. Oh. Where is she? She's trying to get back to Edinburgh. Maybe at the bar. Uh, we've, got some, we've got something to tell you. Um, <laughs> we just won an award. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, Standard Issue was nominated for the Publishing Award on uh, the comedy website Chortle, which is happening in uh, London right now. And one of our members of staff is there, to, just on the off chance, hopefully not standing too close to the stage, but not standing too far away that you can't get there. It's really tricky being nominated for an award. And um, um, we fucking won. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So... A bit giddy. Yeah, a bit giddy. Should we just go oh. dancing? No. Yeah. Um, uh, what have you got in your notebook? Oh, God, I've got to ask some actual questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, Susan, we can, can you just stop talking? No, sorry. <laughs> no, it's no, just no, Mick is an award winner. Yes. It's all different, isn't no, it? No, I was aware of the fact we were just like, talking about ironing, and you might have some actual genuine things you wanted to ask. Oh, I don't oh, care. I'm having a lovely time. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice here, isn't it? Yeah. This. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's lovely. No, it's good, yeah. I mean, it's, you haven't got gravy on your nose, so it's not exactly the same yeah. as last time. But. I don't come up this way very often because I live on the south side, so it's quite, um, it's quite exciting. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why I moved to the south side? Because I could afford a five-bedroom flat. That's why I went to the south side. <laughs> For about 20p. <laughs> <laughs> Sold a one-bedroom flat in Partick for a fortune, moved to the south side, I've got a bloody palace, fuck you. <laughs> and I can park my bloody car anywhere I want. Is this, is this the flat that I stayed in? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I stayed with... Oh, uh, Christ. <laughs> I stayed with Susan and her wife once, uh, long, oh, a good, good while ago. I think I was yeah. playing maybe The Stand or somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, and she said to me, we've, we've, we're trying to do up the, um, the spare room, so we put a few pictures up and stuff, but we've lost the hammer. So she said, so if you find it in the bed, it's not a sign of anything. <laughs> and then she found a hammer in her bed. <laughs> She's never stayed since, I don't know. OK, so apart from checking your nose for gravy, are there any rituals you do before you go on stage? I go to the toilet about 97 times. <laughs> the one thing I... And it doesn't work all the time. But I, I'm not a diva. But when I go on tour, I always ask for a toilet backstage so I can go to the toilet as many times as I want to. Because if I have to share the toilet with the audience and I go to the toilet all the time, everyone looks at me and goes, oh, <coughs> she's got a problem. Or they think that you're nervous. And you might be nervous, but yes, nervous is a good thing. Nervous means you care, you know. Yeah. So I, I will go to the toilet, I mean, 40 times. Do you always manage to get a few drops out? Yes. Good lass. Good lass. Squeeze it out. <laughs> yes, I always, always. Uh, and I also... Uh, I'm very nervous. Um, I am very nervous when I go on stage. And I do a thing with a microphone. If you watch me on stage, you'll be able to spot this now. I get very shaky hands uh, whenever I'm nervous. I mean, like, like that, shaky hands. So whenever I start a gig, I always start with the microphone on my chin so that people can't see my hands shaking. And then when I relax, I drop it down. And I also, before I go on stage, uh, I've got a bit of blue tack in every one of my pockets. And I do that, which stops your hand shaking. If you, you, if you, oh, really? Yeah, so I've got ah. marks on all my watches from bits of blue tack. So I stand and I do that so that the audience can't see how nervous I am. How did you find that out? The blue tack? Um, it was purely because I was backstage at a comedy club once and they had posters up 
and I took the blue tack and I went like that and I thought, oh, this actually helps. So now I've got blue tack. There's blue tack all over my house. <laughs> <laughs> that I take a bit of it before I go on stage and I do that. Why so didn't that you hang your pictures up with it? Why don't I hang my pictures up? Instead yeah, of hammering, hammering them into the, the wall. Because <laughs> yeah. we put the nice picture of Glasgow University in the spare room because we had a visitor. Yeah. That we and then threatened with violence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we put really lovely pictures of Glasgow up in the spare room so that when Sarah came, she'd go, oh, what lovely There's pictures There's also, like, windows that I could see Glasgow <laughs> <laughs> Well, you could see the backcourt and Pollock Shields, which, to be fair, isn't the best sometimes. Do you know, I once saw someone... I tweeted this and everyone shouted at me. I saw a man running off with my washing pole once. Because <laughs> it was a nice day and I was doing my washing and someone on Twitter, someone in Glasgow went, why don't you put your washing out? And I was like, because someone ran on, off with my washing pole. And uh, people were like, oh, that's terrible, seeing Glasgow's off. And I was like, no, some fucker ran off with my washing pole. I saw him, he jumped over the fence, off he went. Did he pull Did he pull <laughs> Washing poles anywhere in the back courts in Pollock Shields. Some know. fucker stole them. I know why I, I stole it because it's very hard to find a washing pole. <laughs> because I have a washing line and then I suddenly oh, realise she's from Edinburgh. She's got a washing pole. <laughs> no, I've let them tone down. People don't put out their washing. You do got to wash the dryers, uh, but you need you don't really, you need the thing to put it up. Otherwise, I put it up and all the washing goes like that. And I went, oh, I need one of those things. Go to Pollock Shields. Apparently, yes, there's loads of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying the bench. I mean, we got this, the fence redone, but it's—I mean, it's not—it's not a palatial garden. Uh, it's not very nice at the back. Mm. It's not my fault. I do my best. I live in a tenement. We can only do as much as we possibly can. It's interesting you're saying about the shaky hands thing. Uh, whenever when I started doing like uh, when I started gigging and I was using you know a new material gig, I always use bits of paper, yeah. and then I very quickly cottoned on to using index cards instead because they don't shake so much. Uh, I did it with clipboard. Oh, that's good. Because you don't realise, and because you you'll be feeling not nervous but keyed up. Yeah, because yeah. you're thinking about what you're going to do. And I would do that. I'd bring, and I, if I was going to read something, like read a story or read something, and then I suddenly, and it takes you by surprise, you go, oh my God. <laughs> and it is a thing because the blood is all in your yeah. head thinking, and your arms are going, we haven't got any fucking blood. <laughs> like this. It can be really difficult. The first, yeah. time, the first time I did uh, Have I Got News for You, I shitting myself. I mean, shitting myself. Because it's a show of what? Am I shitting myself? <laughs> I'm there, I know the camera's not on me, so I think I'll take a wee glass of water. It's like shitting Christ! I did I had to uh, uh, present an award at the BAFTAs the one time that I went and I had to present an award and I had no idea that when people say your knees knock that it was a real thing. <laughs> and I could feel them clacking. Mm. I had no idea yeah. it was a thing. I nearly I fucking mean, it's shut a, my pants. It's a, I mean it's a, an adrenaline thing, yeah. especially yeah. if you're so I'm about to start a preview tour of the fringe. I haven't been on stage and done a gig since June last year. So this will be my first ever stand-up. This will be my first stand-up gig in, you know, almost a year. In deal. Lucky people. That is lovely. <laughs> it is nice and deal. Yeah, and not a lot goes there. They'll love it, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, sold out. <laughs> They're not going to go boo. They go, oh no, somebody hasn't been here for months. Come yes. on, we'll watch. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. We'll watch so, your shaky uh, dancing. <laughs> Having a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's it's an adrenaline thing as well as nerves because you do get this, in, this mm. huge surge of fear and excitement and everything mm. else before you stand on stage. 
But what I can't do is stand still. Uh, I pace around as part of the, the thing. You, you, can, <coughs> you can stand in the one place. I'm always very jealous of yeah, you. Because you um, well, I'm, I'm in the middle of a... Uh, exactly dead in the centre in the middle of a tour at the moment. And I can stand a bit. What I've got is um, my house music. So the music, while people are sitting down and getting themselves comfy before we start the show, is always danceable too. That's my rule. So no matter what's on the on uh, at the moment, I can always have a little bit of a dance. But then um, I was dancing with my support at the end of the last tour with um, Jonathan Mayer was supporting that, that night, who was uh, a lovely man. And we were dancing a bit too vigorously that when I went out on stage and they shouted my name, I was out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> so I was dancing a bit too much, but... Um, I sometimes go behind the curtain so the support will be on and I go behind the curtain because my tour manager's standing beside me ready to press buttons and things and I go behind the curtain and do a fart because <laughs> nerves seem to make me quite farty and I, my tour manager's a nice man he doesn't need that 172 times so I just sit and I used to like just sidle off like look I was pacing and I wasn't pacing but now I go I'm going to go and do a fart over there and he goes okay can I tell you the strangest th- right okay can I tell you I'll say um, I, I don't gig very often with other people anymore just because I do my own tours. So I, very, I don't do club gigs and stuff anymore. It's just a, a choice because I, I, I was finding it more difficult to do club gigs, not because the audiences were more difficult, but the other comedians were more <laughs> difficult. No, it is quite difficult when you compare and there's a misogynist on before you and you have to go, ladies and gentlemen, that was amazing. When you went to go, he's a dick. <laughs> And I did a gig not that long ago with a comedian. He's not a dick, the comedian. But what I noticed was, and it's strange when you watch another comedian, I don't know if you've ever done this, and you spot their little kind of tails. Their tick. Mm. There's a comedian, I'll stand up there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when he told the punchline, he did that. <laughs> <laughs> what did little penis thrust? He did, he did a little... Yeah. Oh. So when he did the, and I, I was, I was so like when he told the punchline, or when they laughed, like ugh, laughing. When they that. laughed, when they, you're right, when they laughed, he was, <laughs> <laughs> And he didn't mean he wasn't doing it like ah, it was just a natural. Thing. Did you tell him? No. no, no, no. I was there for twenty minutes, just going, Jesus, <laughs> wow. Joe, what do you what do you do before you go on stage, Joe? Do you have things that you always do? It depends if I'm doing my own show, um, or if I'm with other people. Like if I'm with other comics, then I want to avoid the people who talk too much at you. Uh, usually, men. Um, they will talk <laughs> a lot at you, um, and so you go, "Oh, I don't really want. I really don't want to hear about your jokes or anything to do with your brilliant career, which they don't have, but they tell you they have." Mm. Um, <laughs> And most comics have that where they, uh, you go, you sort of go into your own head, and comics understand it. Where we're having a conversation, but I know that you're not listening, and I'm not listening even to myself or to you, <laughs> because you're sort of on stage already. Yeah. And that's why, if people who aren't comics come in the dressing room, because they always think, "Oh my God, this is going to be amazing! What small comics is just going to be comedy, 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 comedy?" And they come in, and it's a lot of people just going, "Oh." oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or they'll start to have a conversation you'll go, oh, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I do a bit of that, like you just need to get in the zone. And sometimes I'll, I like to be in the room as well. I like yeah. to look at people as well. I like to see people and the certain people I look out for and I go, oh, good, I got one of them. Um, <laughs> so sometimes I like to just see what they look like. Sometimes I don't like, if I'm on tour, I don't like to know yeah. because also I just think, 
that you know whoever they are they've come to see me i fucking love them all because they've come they've bought a ticket they've not just come to a general comedy club where yeah. i can go i don't like them um but they've and i you actually do you know what i often before a gig if i do look at the audience i decide i don't like anyone in the audience and that seems to be my process that i sort of look at you and go i wouldn't choose to have a conversation with any of you fucking people none of you and, to, and i think it's to get myself ready that then i will be pleasantly surprised oh. like i look and go i hate all of them we've got nothing in common they're gonna hate me and it also makes me go on in quite a bad mood which is better it's funnier you know so then i go on and go oh here's some fucking jokes yeah. <laughs> Oh, you like that, do you? You know, so I'm a bit passive-aggressive, like that. It's not passive. No, no it's not passive. It's not passive. <laughs> it's just, I'm a bit, yeah. It's just aggressive. Yeah, just, just aggressive. Just aggressive. <laughs> yeah. What's that word where you preempt it? Do you, I'm preempt it by being aggressive to you. Like a preemptive strike. And then by yeah. the end, ah, oh, you see, then it's all love. <laughs> then by the end, wow. I've had it. It's like I, start, like I start, it's like a reverse of relationship. Relationship is all love and then you hate them. I start off hating you, but then I grow to love you. It's like an arranged marriage, maybe. Yeah. 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 When did you first realise you were funny, Joe? (laughs) That that is passive aggressive. That was really passive aggressive. That really was. It would be. Joke. It would be worse if she said, "When did you first think you were?" Funny? Yeah. 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 But I was looking at it, and I think she wanted to say that. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I do you know. It sounds so precocious and like, oh, I would slap me. Um, I liked uh, making people laugh. I think that's the thing about comics. And honest, I've got friends who are funnier than me, but they wouldn't. They don't, they don't get the same thrill. But I realised quite early on I get a thrill out of making people laugh. And I used to... My mum and dad uh, were in the Air Force. Well, my mum wasn't. She was a teacher. But my dad was in the Air Force, right? But my mum and dad are both from Northern Ireland. So my mum, they then came to England and my dad was an officer. So my mum thought everyone was terribly uppity, you know. She thought everyone was really, really posh, which they were, I suppose. And so when my mum, they would have... Which my mum thought was ludicrous... Um, because uh, she we, she had little kids then, so she wasn't working, but she went back to work as soon as she could to get away from coffee mornings <gasps> where the officers' wives would come round and she said basically what they would do... You, she said, I never went to the toilet because they would just rip you to shreds the moment you left the room. <laughs> but I would do impressions of her friends, how they sounded to me, and I would just do impressions of people. I'd go and... Um, and, uh, and then Mrs Gilbert went, Oh, my God! And then there was a pig! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's what it sounded like to me the whole morning was he was just going, oh, 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 oh. and my mum would love it and then she would go, oh, do Mrs Davidson and then I would do the other women until I did it in front of them. Because I thought, well, my mum really likes it and they're here. So they would love it. Yeah. But I, I think it was just... And then when I was waitressing for... I waitressed for a very long time. I waitressed to the point of bitterness. <laughs> like, where I physically could not serve people anymore. Like, I really... I was like, oh... F- <sighs> <laughs> right. And then I got, I got sacked for stealing. Because I had to steal because I hated everything so much. <laughs> um, what, did you, what did you steal? Oh, I fiddled. Uh, they can't do it now. Poor people working behind the bar. They can't fiddle. It used to be you could fiddle... <laughs> 
Before Electronics Hill. Don't challenge them, by the way, Joe. Okay. <laughs> it would just be, oh, you're having a second bottle of wine. There it is. And you, you just put stuff on and you don't write in and then you write the bill. That's how it works. Uh, but they can't do that now. Uh, but what was I going to say? Oh, because yeah. Is it, then, the reason they can't do it now is because of people like you. <laughs> yeah, they had to invent... I think they invented computers because of me. Yeah. Uh, well, we you. have to cut down on that. Yeah, but it was... Uh, and then I would be funny... I found I could get tips if I was funny, but I'd be funny in a rude way to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and again, that would I'd be quite thrilled about that, you know. So, when did you start doing it on stage? Oh, a very long time later. Right. Yeah, whether it was weirdly, uh, I went for a year to do uh, to a drama school for a year. I did a postgraduate, even though I wasn't a graduate. Um, <laughs> your life's just a lie. <laughs> <to your field. laughs> What postgraduate means is you're 28 and you should have done something with your life. (laughs) So I thought, oh, I'll go to drama school for a year and I could only afford a year. And it was a really terrible drama school. It's called East 15 and they did method acting. Ruby Wax went there. Um, (laughs) And Alison Steadman, that's the only famous people that have ever gone there. And, uh, but it was, it was method, and they would like to break you down and build you up. Because we were all older, we would just go, oh, we're not doing that. Because they would, they they played a game. They did a game um, called uh, Nazis and Jews. Uh, honest to God, this is what? a real thing. Yeah. And these kids are 17 and 18, <clears throat> and they would make them go and stay in this country house place, and then it, and you would have your role, and they would, you know, hunt each other down. It was all awful. Oh, right. my God. A woman was a lunatic who ran it. Right. Uh, but we did... Uh, this is so tragic, but... This but it was method. No, it's horrific. Story. It's horrific. And thank God I was old enough to go, I'm not doing that. But because it was method and we were doing Chekhov and there was this lovely old man who was also doing the course. He was, uh, he was 66 and he'd been a civil servant all his life and all he wanted to do was act, right? So he was having his teenage years at the drama school. And because uh, they were doing Chekhov and he was playing a peasant, he lived on vodka and cloves of garlic. And he would be coming out and he would sink because it was all coming through the pores. And so he would eat cloves of garlic because, oh, I've read it up, the Russian peasants, that's what they eat. And he would drink the vodka and it all came out in pustules on his face and it was, and it was horrific. And then he died. <laughs> he, he genuinely died. Oh my God. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Then we all went to his funeral, but in a way it was happy because... <laughs> because I thought... He had a really controlled life, and he was honestly those weeks with the garlic and the vodka. He'd never been so happy. And you happy. wouldn't do Gillian Tailforth. This is the thing. <laughs> you would pretend to do a blowjob in a bottle, but Nazis and Jews, whatever. Oh, I never did Nazis you never and Jews. No, 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 no. That that was only for the youngsters. Well, it yeah. is a young person's game, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Oh, but while we were there, there was an exercise uh, to do five minutes of stand-up comedy and everyone would just do it, but I, there was something about it and I really thought about it and I kept going, oh, I'll do it next week and I worked on it. Right. And when I did it for the class, only because nobody else put any thought into it and when I did mine, I was like, oh, that was good and I sort of structured it and I'd started to watch comedy in a different kind of way and that's when I thought, oh, I'll, get, I'll try and I went and did an open mic spot. Susan? (laughs) Nothing as exciting as that. Uh, I was not an atypical class clown. I uh, (laughs) (laughs) went to my school reunion 
not that long ago. So my wife could understand why I am the way I am. <laughs> and a girl I was at school with uh, approached me. She was quite drunk and looked down on me, as everyone did, and said, I just don't understand it, Susan. You just weren't funny at school. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I did everything wrong in that I, uh, I've always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I didn't know what that meant. I just liked Victoria Woods and Billy Connolly and French and Saunders. When I uh, left school in 1992 in Glasgow, there was only one comedy club, which was Blackfriars in the Merchant City, which was lovely Fred Macaulay and Parrot, but it was a boys club as far as I could see I mean I'm not saying that they made it that way it just seemed that way and also if you said you wanted to be a stand-up comedian your parents would have said I think you'll be getting a job (laughs) (laughs) so I went to university still wanted to be a stand-up after my 30th birthday I realised whilst I liked the law I did not enjoy being a lawyer and thought, well, I, I have to do something about it now, because if I don't do it now, I'll get promoted, I'll probably earn quite a lot of money, and I'll be trapped by my life. Uh, so, well, you see it all the time. The reason why rich people are often miserable is they have children. And, uh, <laughs> no, sorry, no. no sorry. Um, so, uh, I phoned, I heard the stand was, there was something called the stand. I phoned up and said, hello, can I come on at the stand? And they went, you can have five minutes at Red Raw on a Tuesday night in three weeks, and I went, thank you. And I'd never been to the stand. I'd never seen stand-up comedy. I'd never set foot in a comedy club. I was the same, I'd seen I one. I just knew yeah, I had to yeah. do five minutes, turned up, did five minutes. Uh, and then thought, well, they'll book me for a weekend now, won't they? That's not what happens. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of friends in stand-up at that point until I met, uh, actually, funny women, uh, people like Sarah and Holly Walsh, um, and I didn't realise you just had to do the same five minutes until it was good. <laughs> and I, I... I thought you had to do a different five minutes every time, which has led to one of the most incredible deaths of my career on a Sunday night at the Stand Comedy Club in front of Dorothy Paul. Dorothy Paul was in the audience. I was trying out a new 15 minutes, because that's what you do, about painted hunting dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Quite niche, I think. Yes. <laughs> It already sounds like gold. <laughs> and it was horrific. Absolutely. Of course it was horrific. Shit. And afterwards, I think it was Raymond Mearns went, what the fuck did you do there? <laughs> and I went, I did a new 15 minutes. I went, people have been doing the same 20 minutes for 10 years. <laughs> and I went, oh. And then uh, I spent about four or five years until I think I got funny in 2012. <laughs> Genuinely. I think that's when I got funny. Genuine. So the rest of the time was practising and getting better at stand-up. And then in 2012, I realised what, what I do that makes me funny. Because uh, up to that point, the shows had been OK. I'd been all right. And then in 2012, I finally realised what it was I wanted to do as a comedian, which is not tell jokes, but tell a series of meandering stories with no conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I do now. So I think I really think it was. It took a long time before I. And I think the thing about comedy is, if you start doing comedy, you're not automatically brilliant at it. You mm-hmm. find what you want to do. You practice. I mean, all of us here yeah, have done hundreds of thousands of gigs 
in shitty places to get better at what we do and travel a lot travel a lot i remember i just one of my first my first and everlasting memories of joe caulfield is when i uh won the newcomer award and i couldn't in edinburgh and i couldn't get a signal in the room uh, and my i wanted to go out and ring my boyfriend and my mom and everybody and as i walked past you you said well done you've done the driving <laughs> and i thought that was brilliant because it was that i'd done the work. i'd done the legwork i'd done the hard work and the work and it was you didn't you didn't say well done you're really funny it was really nice that no 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 it's not often I come across as the nice one on a panel. <laughs> no, it's, it was a bigger compliment because I always consider that I'm a hard worker and I think it's not a magic formula. I think that you just... Yes, if you're good and you work hard, mm. then you will progress. And how you progress is dependent on many, many factors. Mm. But the fact that you recognised that I'd worked hard meant more than other compliments mm-hmm. that I got that night. So See. thank you. Fuck yeah. you, Susan. Yeah, but you did work hard. Uh, well, I yeah. would have said something nice, but I wasn't fucking invited to the party. <laughs> because I wasn't on any list. I've worked my way up the hard way, and I'm still not on the list for any of these parties. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I, I'm a comic of the people. I want to be nominated. <laughs> I Wendy. think uh, also it's the, like you saying, it takes a long time, but also it takes quite a long... I think you learn how to be funny in front of an audience yes. and then you, you could go, oh, I can do 20 minutes and I can do crowd mm. control and do that. And then you, you then, that's what you're saying, you only think you were funny recently was because you, then you go, oh, but how am I funny? Yes. What, and then you start to reject things and go, yeah, that is funny, it would get a laugh, but I don't want to do that kind of joke. I walked off stage, I've never walked off stage before apart from Edinburgh Jonglers. And uh, I was still feeling that I had to do jonglers because they paid quite a lot of money and, you know, whatever. You, people say that's what proper comics do. And uh, terrible sound system. Mm. Compare gone on, done the best the compare could do in a terrible, terrible, awful room, terrible room. There was a man dressed as a penis, which was apt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not going well. I said to the guy, what to do for a living? And he said something like, fuck fat dykes or something like that. And the rest of the room cheered which is always a bad sign because it means you don't have the room and i was about to come back with him back to him with something fairly horrific or whatever and i thought i don't want to do this i didn't get into comedy to insult people to to shout at them and and so i put the mic back in the stand i walked out of edinburgh jungler straight into my car and drove home and uh, the man who ran jungler's phone and said what happened there and i said i don't want to do it and he said well you should be able to play any room i said i can play any room i just choose not to play any room there's a difference. Yeah. There's a difference between saying you can't do something and saying I actually don't want, want my soul to die. Yeah. Or I to didn't be give up my job. Insulted like that. Yeah. I didn't give up my job to do this for the money, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> so if I really wanted to do the money, then I'd be doing something else. I didn't do that. I did it to be happy. Mm. So it's not that I, I can't do jonglers or equivalent. I just don't want to. I'd rather stay at home and do the ironing, <laughs> quite frankly. That's a huge thing to do with confidence, though. When we were chatting backstage about how women get a lot more... Well, we all get a lot more confident as we get older. Mm. Um, so what has been the best thing for you about getting older? Let's start with Sarah. The no thing is a big thing. I think that's because I just turned 40, and I think I say no a lot more, and I, I, I realise I don't always have to give a reason. So if somebody mm. wants me to do something and I don't want to do it, I don't go, sorry, but I've got, and I'm really busy, and I've got this thing, and I should really do that. I just go, oh, I'm really sorry, I can't. And they go, oh, 
oh, and it's great because I, I don't have to give a, a reason. So I think that's I think that's sort of age has given me that kind of perspective that I, I'm allowed to just not want to do something mm-hmm. and I don't have to give a reason why. And also, um, I think I don't give a shit about unimportant things. I think I think I realize what's important and I disregard everything else largely <laughs> so I try and make myself happy without hopefully making other people unhappy that's not <laughs> that's not generally the plan but I try and hmm. realize that I can think about myself I can put myself first and I don't think I really did before that I think I put other people first mm-hmm. so that's it's not a funny answer sorry but that's how I feel don't be sorry no apologies fuck you <laughs> <laughs> There she is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Joe? Um, definitely getting more confident as you get older. It took me a long time to be confident. And also, I, I, well, well, as you get older, also more things happen, you know, and things happen to other people that make you, you know, go, oh, God, life is short, isn't it? You know, and I think you get more like people who you've gone, oh, there's something weird in that friendship, but we're friends. Then you go, oh, fuck them. Mm. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I hear you, sister. people, you know, people die, people get ill. Why am I wasting my time with you? Mm. And you concentrate on people you, you really like and who really like yeah. you. And people who lift you up and people yes, who, yeah. you, you and, yeah. and people who are willing to be kind of, uh, I've got really good friendships that are sort of reciprocated. So it's, somebody will ring me if the shit has hit the fan, but equally I feel like I can ring them rather yeah. than just the people who ring you. Yeah. And that you think, oh, I wouldn't even consider ringing them. Then they have to, they have to disappear. I don't kill them. That yeah. sounds really bad. <laughs> she doesn't disappear. Yeah. Yeah. hammer disappear. in her bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also not doing things that you don't want. Like, it just in general. Not, not like important things. Like, people might go, Sarah, do you want to do a new TV show? And you'll go, no. But people go to me, oh, we're going to go club and do shots. I go, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, no, I, yeah. I've got a seat and a bottle of wine. I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think you make better choices. As you get older. Just imagine you doing shots of wine at the bar. <laughs> yeah, she'll do that later. Um, <laughs> I, I completely, I think the most important thing is there's confidence. Uh, I think I, I said something recently, I, so I did something recently and I made a comment to someone and it was an absolutely correct comment. And then I was crippled for the weekend and going, oh, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have said that, I should, and I should apologise for saying that. And then I thought, no, but what I said was right. It was, a, it was just a comment about s- something else that was going on. And the thing that I battle most with is saying, no, I was right. And mm-hmm. I should stop trying to... I should stop saying my opinion is not valid. So if I'm treated, if I'm treated badly... On a show, and I don't mean in terms of there's no grapes backstage, but I mean in terms of... It happens a, so it happens a lot because... Of, genuinely because of my nationality. In the same way as I hate jokes about being a lesbian, really kind of a stereotypical joke, why can't I say? What's wrong hmm. with me that I can't go find something funnier to laugh at? Look at me. I'm tiny. Take the piss out of that. So what I have to work on as I get older, is not apologising for being right. And this is how I feel about what you said to me, and I should be able to say, I don't like what you've said to me. And I, 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 people are surprised because I appear quite forthright. But the, more, the older I get, the more I, I go, no, fuck it, that was wrong. We, and it's, it's causing yeah. a few problems. We <laughs> both did a show... 
We did a show, and this is what happens because it was all male writers and they never thought about it. <gasps> Do you remember? Oh, yes. It wasn't, wasn't a good show. So it was a, it's a radio show. Now, I can't even remember... So each comic had an intro that the host was going to say. Yeah. Now, I can't even remember what the joke was about me, but it was a sexual joke. It yep. was a joke about Joe Caulfield, she's a woman, here's a sex joke. So that had come through in the script, and I said, I'm not happy about that joke. Why, why, you are not, why because I'm a woman, you've made a sex joke. I'm on here as a comedian. It feels very undermining that you do a sex joke. And then they did a similar joke about you. It was to do with being something to do with being a lesbian and cock. Yeah. Wasn't it? That yeah. was basically they put those yeah. ingredients together and yeah. they're like that. Comedy magic. Uh, but the men <laughs> the men they didn't do jokes like that. But nope. both of ours were about our sex and sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. And I we did, complained that's, that's and your... we they had to write different jokes that were both shit as well. Yes. But at least they weren't about our gender or sexuality. I did a show with uh, Richard Terring, one of the funniest moments I don't mean to terrify men. Mm. It just happens. <laughs> Show with Richard Herring, who's a lovely man. Anyway, they said, the writers have written you some jokes. And I said, I don't think I need any jokes. It's a show about maths. I'll be all right. <laughs> but they came to we've written you some jokes. And I went, no, you're all right. Anyway, and the writer went, no, we've written you some jokes. I went, all right, show them. And one of them was, it was we had to do a, a chandelier full of flowers. Anyway. Oh, it's, long, it's very complicated. Television is such a pile of shite sometimes. <laughs> anyway, so one of the jokes was, uh, Richard was to say, oh, Elton John wants one of them. And I was to say, well, I want 52-inch legs and tits like torpedoes, but it's not going to happen. And I looked at it and I went, son. <laughs> is that your go-to? Because I say, son. look, flower. Yeah. <laughs> I said, son, do you think... Do you think I'm going to say that? And he went, well, it's quite funny. And I said, uh, and I, I didn't mean, do you know who I am? As in, do you know who I am? I said, do, do you know who I am? And he went, yeah, Susan Calvin. I went, do you think in any realm of possibility, <laughs> in all the kingdoms in Game of Thrones, <laughs> that I would ever suggest that I wanted tits like torpedoes? And he went, oh, it's funny, though. And I went, it's really not funny. I said, mate, son, (laughs) if you ever put something like that in front of me again, I'm going to lose my temper. And he went, shall I get rid of the second page? And I said, I think think you should. But also, on torpedoes long, I don't even get the room. I know, but it's just a... uh, And they leave your body. They do. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds very and dangerous. explode and kill people. It's so, not good. I think the difficulty... I, I, I try now, more than people will ever know, stand up for what I think is right. And it does cost, cause problems with my lovely agent who goes, oh, what have you done now? Every time I phone her after a show, she goes, oh, shit, what have you done now? Nothing. Um, but I do try and stand up for myself, but I need to stop apologising for what I think is the right thing to do. Because hope, the hope is, whilst I'm not saying there's any crusade going on, that if another woman goes on one of these shows, mm. they won't even have to say, how about we don't do a joke, sexual joke yeah. Yeah. when we're introduced? You know, this is the thing. We have to kind of try and make it better in the future because it's 2016 and it's not really getting a lot better right now. No. 
So maybe in another 30 years it'll be fine. <laughs> I have discussions about, about clothes like that on, when I do telly jobs, and I don't really understand, because I think as long as I'm covered, you know, as long as Decently there's not a clean. tit hanging out, yeah. what the fuck does it matter what I'm wearing? I mean, yes, I should probably be ironed, because it's, <laughs> it's television, but there's always somebody there with a steamer, so it's fine. But I've had discussions like that where they say, we don't want you to wear this, we want you to wear this. And I say, well, I want to wear that. And they go, oh, are we like this one? And I go, I don't, don't give a shit. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't care what you want me to wear. Like, unless it's uh, one of those things where they're strobing or they're patterned or yeah. whatever, and it's going to affect people's eyes and make them blind when they're watching the telly. <laughs> I understand. I don't want to make people blind. But also, I don't <laughs> think people watching telly are watching me to find out what the fuck I'm wearing. <laughs> I wouldn't. Do you think it's easier or harder out there for young women today out where in the world <laughs> just in the world in the world yeah depends where in the world you are okay yeah shall we say here here yeah thank you <laughs> I think it's probably a bit of both I think in some ways it's harder because of uh, the amount of sort of visual imagery we get put in front of us of uh, the perfect form, whatever that is, and the kind of pressure to conform to that. I think that's probably worse, because I think like when Joe was talking about sort of Blondie and people like that, there were kind of cooler people who all looked... Like, different was good, Yeah. where I don't think different is... I think people think that different is bad now, where I, it's, it's not different, is definitely good. And I think... I think this, so I think there's pressure on that, but also just social media and stuff. I think there's a lot of pressure of people being kind of body shamed publicly. Like if I was bullied at school, it would be somebody shouting at me in a schoolyard and maybe me having a little cry on the way home. But they certainly couldn't then text me or mm-hmm. put it on my Facebook page or like we had an article in the magazine um, uh, about being sort of it was be chuffed with your chuff and it was about how fannies all look different and that it's fine. Um, and it was written by a doctor. They do all look different. I can verify that. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen all them all? Of them. All of them. <laughs> you haven't seen mine. Uh, I yes, did... I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was that photo. The camera in the room. Oh, so... oh no, was it on the end of the hammer? Because I did fuck <laughs> the hammer. Um... <laughs> I didn't fuck a hammer. Please don't. <laughs> if that's the thing you take away from tonight, don't let it be that I fucked a hammer. Yeah, please don't start tweeting hashtag fuck the hammer. That would really... <laughs> it's an award-winning magazine now. <laughs> but we, because she'd had experiences of girls coming in uh, to her surgery and saying that a boy had said that her uh, fanny looked weird because of his own experience of being pornography, and then she was coming into the doctor's surgery to say, I would like to have surgery to change it so that it looks how it's supposed to look. Wasn't she about 15, 16? Yeah, she was 15, 16. And she, uh, and I think, I don't know if it was the same story or another girl who'd had, uh, because she'd obviously gone a little bit further with a a boy and he'd said, oh, that looks weird. Uh, He'd then put on her Facebook page and then everybody saw that. And I think, so in some ways, it's like pre-internet and pre-mobile phones for us was a lot easier. I do worry. I've got a, a, a four-year-old niece. She lives in London, the east end of London. She sounds like Dick Van Dyke on helium. It's horrific. <laughs> <laughs> she comes up to uh, Glasgow. We all speak normally. <laughs> and she goes, Auntie Susan! Auntie Susan! <laughs> <laughs> Trying to teach her proper words like big milk. 
isso. Com a Big Mouth. I... Uh, you know what I mean. Big Mouth. I... Uh, I worry because she's a wee sausage and... I went round to dinner at my sister's house and she said she wanted to be an astronomer or an astronaut because she'd been watching Tim Peake uh, on CBBC. And I don't care what she wants as long as she wants to do something. And as long as she's confident. I love the fact she goes, I'm going to be an astronomer, Auntie Susan. Oh, my God, Auntie Susan. And uh, I worry for her. And actually, of all the things, almost I do a lot of children's BBC. Oddly. And one of the is reasons... Is it because they're not threatened by you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons I do is that I, I want her to be able to watch someone on television who, who doesn't look necessarily, not only my auntie, but uh, I, I want... I, when I grew up, Sandy Toxwick was very important to me because she was on number 73 mm-hmm. and she looked very different from a lot of the other people yeah. that were on television. And I always remember look, watching her and thinking, oh, there's someone who's a bit short but quite funny and that's amazing... And she was very important. And I think for girls who are under pressure, one of the reasons why we do need to keep being on television, whilst we don't sometimes like it, is that actually um, I remember watching television and seeing people who weren't, you know, these glamorous women, but who were amazing. And I think that's quite important. So I now do a lot of work so that she can have a better life. I don't have any children. I have cats, and that's fine but I feel responsibility to make the world better for my niece mm-hmm. because I don't want her... I would hate to think in 2030 that she has to put up with the same shit that I do just now. Yeah. And I think so, that's one of the reasons why we started Standard Issue as well was because we just wanted to have sort of teenage girls to have an alternative so that not mm-hmm. the only thing they looked at was a, an, an article or a magazine saying this is the ideal and you're not there yet but we'll help you get there and that's not what we do. We say, what are you like? That's brilliant. And we're very positive and very kind of hopefully empowering. And uh, and I just thought, because I, when I mentioned it to uh, my agent that I wanted to set up a magazine, I thought she might not be that interested because it's nothing to do with all the other things that I do. And she said, I've got two daughters, I'm really interested. Because she just wanted something for them to mm-hmm. to use, mm-hmm. I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. When I started out in journalism, I actually used to write for the lads' mags, which uh, is an interesting turnabout. But I didn't want to write for the women's mags because they're all like, how to get your man, how to keep your man, how to please your man. I was like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> See, what about pleasing yourself? And mm-hmm. I think it's it's all about empowering ourselves and and having that confidence earlier rather than having to get a little bit older to get it. They don't know. So my my niece plays a game with her best friend at school called Auntie Lee and Auntie Susan, which is my wife and I. And they dress up as princesses and look after the babies. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's just like life then. She's got that quite wrong. (laughs) But there's no problem and it's absolutely fine. They don't have a problem. Kids learn to feel bad about other people and other things from society and from... So if they see... And I actually think Children's BBC does a tremendous job of showing diversity and showing kids amazing Mm. stuff. Uh, But that's... The the key is is going forward, kids like my little niece, not growing up thinking as terribly of herself as I did of myself. That's... That's the aim, I think. It's a good aim. 
I think, well, I don't know loads of young women, um, but I, well, young women I do meet, I'm always pleasantly surprised at how confident they are, and they feel different to my generation. I think there is a difference in what they expect and uh, and how they've been brought up. They, well, they've been brought up by women who were a bit further forward than my mum, who was like a Catholic from Northern Ireland, wasn't even allowed to have a job once she'd got married, you right. know. So I think they are much more confident. And also they're quite aware, like my niece is 25, and she, she was saying about they're aware of what they do in magazines. They're aware that people are airbrushed and that they've cut right. bits out of their calves and their thighs. And, and uh, she's a beautiful, bigger girl, beautifully happy and confident and not any kind of, oh, I've looked in this magazine. She just looks because she loves clothes and things. And mm. I, I, I feel hopeful that there, there is a, a difference. I think they're more willing to use the word feminist as well. They seem to be taking control of that. Even kids as young as like 15, 14, 15, they're, just, they're claiming that word. But our, um, our, I did a thing at um, Newnham College in um, Cambridge, at the women's college there, with our deputy editor, uh, Hannah, and she said it doesn't really matter if people aren't... You know, some people are scared of the word feminist for whatever connotations it has, mm. and she said if you live the life, it doesn't matter if you use the word. And I like that. I thought yeah, that was really good. True. Mm. Yeah. Have you guys got anything you want to plug? Susan Kalman? I'm going... I have to get the train to London tonight. <laughs> Don't plug that. But I have, get to, on the train I have to go you. and have a shower first. <laughs> yeah. Kirsty Wark might be on the sleeper. She always is. Mm. <laughs> um, my, my book comes out on the 5th of May called Cheer Up, Love. <laughs> and it's about the fact I have depression and some of the... Uh, and, why being a lawyer didn't help. Um, and um, yes, so that's it. The, I'm recording the audio book tomorrow. That's why I have to go to <gasps> London. That's, uh, so that's out on the 5th of May, and then I'm at the fringe and stuff. But you can't get through from Glasgow until the 8th of August when, the <laughs> <laughs> when they finish the work on the Queen Street Tunnel. Well, you can, but it'll just take about 20 minutes longer. And the, so just wait till after that. And, the, and then the shuttle service will be running. It'll be five minutes quicker as well, they say. It but canopies there. So. Joe, have you got to plug? <laughs> well, I'm very worried about getting back to Edinburgh, to be honest. <laughs> so I've got to get a train. Um, I've got nothing to plug apart from that. I'll be at the Fringe and uh, and then I will be on tour. If anybody knows anyone who lives in Creef, apparently I'm going there. <laughs> <laughs> but I've learned another word, uh, big milk. I like that. Big milk. Big milk. Big milk. Big milk. Big milk. What kind of milk yeah. do you want? Big milk. Uh, <laughs> I get my big milk from Milne Guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm i on tour and I'm in Glasgow at the beginning of May. I'm coming to see you. Oh, are you? Oh, hooray. Well, uh, hope you're giving me tickets. <laughs> so, Susan's not coming. Um, <laughs> so, it'll be a safe environment uh, in case she hasn't seen your vagina. And <laughs> seen all vaginas. would like to. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so I'm at the SECC. Uh, and I think there are, I think a couple of them are sold out, but I think there's one that's got tickets sold. There's definitely tickets anyway. Uh, and also, the most important thing to plug is uh, um, we asked before, um, do it again. Uh, can you uh, woo if you've read Standard Issue? Can you woo can you, if you've read the award winning Standard <laughs> Issue? Can you woo if you're going to have a look at it? 
good, excellent. Um, yeah, it's it's free, it's online, and it is for you. And we created it, and we're really proud of it. And it's probably, I think, it's the best thing I've ever done, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of it. And uh, it feels important, let's say that, as well as being funny and interesting and mm-hmm. won't make you feel like shit, ever. Uh, www.standardissuemagazine.com uh, and can I uh, just say thank you very much for coming tonight you guys have thank been you. so awesome we've had a lovely time I hope you have too uh, please uh, give it up for Mickey Noonan Susan Kalman Joe Covert and me Sarah Milliken thank you very much <laughs> for more excellent content please visit standardissuemagazine.com we're also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. For as little as a tenner a year, you can join our gang and help keep us going. Thanks for listening.